0: Welcome to episode 135 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycamore Trust partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycamore.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm featuring a conversation with Dr. Stephanie Reno, the Senior Director of Clinical Practice and Training at the Cohen Veterans Network where she oversees the network-wide training of clinical evidence-based practices and processes and works directly to support each clinic in delivering state-of-the-art clinical services to veterans and military families. Find out more about Stephanie by checking out her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Uh, Dr. Reno, I'm glad to be able to have you join us to talk about the work that the Cohen Veterans Network is doing to support both mental health providers and service members, veterans, and their families. But first, I'd like to provide you an opportunity to tell us about you and why this work is so important to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with my personal story, and then I can also talk about what brought me to Cohen. I was studying a number of things in college. I was one of those students who had a lot of different interests and seemingly diverse and unrelated interests. So I was studying psychology as well as geopolitics. And I was leaning a little bit more towards geopolitics as a future graduate school career. And in speaking with one of my professors, a mentor, he said, you should really think about the veteran population, a great intersection of geopolitics and mental health. They're coming back with a lot of mental health needs. I had considered veterans in relation to career. The military folks and veterans in my family are actually part of a more complicated estrangement story. So it wasn't something that linked to me in terms of uh, what I wanted to do with my life. And I started to find out more about the mental health needs of veterans, more about their needs in relation to geopolitics and Within geopolitics, there's complicated ways to think about what home is and in thinking about a deployment journey and what it's like to come back to a home that is different than the home that you left, that spoke to me and very much related to my understanding of mental health. So that was the start of me thinking about how to link those two passions and interests and then The rest is history. When I went to grad school, I was straight on towards working with veterans. I did my internships with the VA and went on to work for VA and DOD before turning to work in the nonprofit sector with veterans. And when Cohen was getting started, I was talking to them quite a bit about what they were doing because of my experience with implementation within the VA and essentially running training programs and helping diverse groups to learn how to provide care to veterans. I immediately said, this is where I want to be. So I started saying, when you're expanding, let me know. I'm ready. I'm coming aboard. And that's how I ended up at CVN.
0: No, I think it's very interesting. One, and you said that you had a unique and maybe atypical connection. Many people say I have veterans in my family. Even I As I grew up, my father, three of his brothers all served in Vietnam, but I didn't, like I was the son of a veteran. I had a stable, I'm from somewhere, right? We Mm -hmm. didn't have sort of that military lifestyle that even my kids then had. And, And so this idea of the military was never an option for me until it became the option for Yay. me. Uh, and that sounds like it was really the the case for you.
1: Absolutely. It was something that very quickly became a calling, but wasn't part of um, a s- sort of military wasn't a strong presence in my life until I, I came to know it through uh, my professional work.
0: Yeah, and then the idea of the intersectionality of sort of your geopolitical interests, and then the military. Twenty-two years, well over at least half, if not more, of that of my career was served overseas in places like Germany, in which I was part of the community. Even a deployment to North Africa with 10 Special Forces Group, I was very much more engaged in the community. Whereas when I was in Iraq and Afghanistan, we were very much separated. And so even that concept yeah. of my own personal experience in a span of a career like you said, was very different when I went back home to St. Louis because I had exposure to multinational cultures and different ways of thinking that a lot of people don't consider that really as part of military culture.
1: Yeah, that is. I mean, military experiences are so varied, as as you know. But I think that there is the this geopolitical lens that lies over different experiences that can offer insights and give people a little bit more depth to why things are certain ways, um, why relationships between countries. And it's a really interesting way to to provide context and make meaning for, for veterans.
0: And I think even that unique experience that you have, and, and of course, as you said, working uh, at the VA and the DOD clinically and then moving to the Cohen Veterans Network, I think it would be hard to imagine anyone in the audience who may not be familiar with the Cohen Veterans Network at this point, all the great work that's being done, but maybe you can provide us a brief overview of the network of clinics that serve the military affiliated population and the mission of Cohen yeah, Veterans
1: Network. Absolutely. So we are a network of not-for-profit clinics, and there's 24 clinics at this point all over the country. And those clinics offer mental health services for veterans, active duty military, military and veteran families. We pride ourselves on being available very broadly both in person and via telehealth. And while we're in 24 places, our lens is a little bit bigger than that because of our telehealth services. We were actually providing telehealth in advance of the pandemic, which served us very well when things switched over, we're still providing a pretty significant amount of telehealth. So we offer targeted treatment services for this group, and that includes and spans across individual couples, family therapy, group therapy, and then we also work really hard to be a place in the community that brings in other nonprofit groups that work with the military and act as a connector because we know that the needs are are so vast. So we want to work well and bring all the resources that we can to to the folks that we work with.
0: One of the things I've always valued about Cohen is the focus, right? Like The support is for service members, veterans, their families, um, caregivers, the military-affiliated population. If uh, someone is a veteran and they go to a local mental health clinic, maybe, maybe not. There there could be somebody in that clinic who might specialize or might Mm -hmm. have some background, but really the focus of the Cohen Veterans Network is specifically training providers and the providers supporting the military-affiliated population.
1: Absolutely. And we have a huge percentage of the folks that we hire are veteran or military-affiliated. And now with the expansion of telehealth laws, we have been able to retain staff and particularly military spouses and partners. As they move throughout the country, they're still able to um, advance their career, stick with the clinic remotely or transfer to a different clinic and continue to to grow within a position in an organization, which has historically been a big challenge for military families. So it's something that we are really proud of and excited about is that lived experience that our clinics offer and the reflection of military culture and in everything that we do.
0: And I think it's a place, as you had just mentioned, for providers, mental health providers who want to work with the military and veteran population. Again, if I was in a clinic, um, maybe in a community mental health clinic, maybe I would have some veterans. But if I know that I'm going to be interacting with clients who are in the military and veteran population, so it's really giving the providers who want that experience an opportunity to serve that population.
1: Absolutely. And it, we offer a really focused training program and infuse that program with military cultural humility throughout the whole thing. So there's focused trainings that give people introduction to military culture, but then our entire training program is in-house. So we're able to bring in trainers who have that experience and can talk about, here's how to do this intervention, but here's what you might want to consider or how you might adapt it knowing that you might be um, working with someone who has military service experience or a military family member. So we can keep that thread going and make sure that we're doing the very best by our population so that they feel seen and heard and understood in a way that they may not in their community, depending on where they live.
0: And I think it, it, as a clinician myself, it's you don't need much of a reason for a veteran not to seek mental <laughs> health care. Right? There, right. There's any reason might be a good reason. Any barrier but this is the idea of being able to say that these are clinics in which people know you, they understand you, they know how to support you. And so it's, you know, every clinic tries to be a safe place. But really, if there is some sort of uncertainty on the veterans part, they know that if they go into yeah. a Cohen Veterans Network clinic, then they're going to at least engage with somebody that understands on a certain level what they're going
1: Absolutely. To. Absolutely.
0: Now, your work at CVN is specifically focused on supporting providers who support the military affiliated population. And you've recently released a measurement based care training toolkit for providers. Can you give us an overview of the toolkit and and sort of what is meant by measurement based care? So,
1: the measurement based care, if you think about physical health, is having something to look at beyond the individuals saying, Hey, I don't feel well, my throat hurts. So, we think about Checking blood pressure, looking at weight, the different things that we can measure and observe over time to see whether the thing that we're trying to change is in fact changing. So in mental health, this looks like measures related to depression, anxiety, substance use, and other things. Um, Rather than coming in week to week and how's it going, we can say what change has been developing and we can adapt the way that we treat individuals based on those metrics. And they're both for the clinician to understand better what's going on with the client, but also for the client to better communicate what's happening within themselves. And also organizationally, we can make sure that we're setting a standard of care across our 24 clinics that people are being served and are getting really good quality care. So our toolkit is a comprehensive set of training materials that we designed to help mental health professionals incorporate measures to enhance quality of care. So what we saw when we went to look around for what videos and training materials were available to teach people how to do measurement-based care, it was behind, in academic settings, out of reach, or behind paywalls. I learned a lot about the ex- of getting access to medical videos and just out of reach. And we wanted to create something that our clinicians could use, but also that any organization that wants to do measurement-based care can hop on the website. And we have videos where clinicians can see this in practice. We have a clinical guide where clinicians can learn about how measures work, how to use them, and an overview of different measures. And we have a practice guide so that if you're in a clinical setting, you can work with your team to practice some of the common challenges that come with measurement-based care. So we're, we're really excited about it. We've used it internally, but we've also supported other organizations who have got on the website and started to use the tools. So we're even more excited about that.
0: I absolutely agree. As I was looking through some of the resources there, when I was working as a clinician, I found it very beneficial. Like you said, not just to be able to say this is a baseline, but a lot of veterans are are used to checklists, right? They're like, you know, just tell me what's going on. Like they don't, they can't, they say, I don't feel well, but they don't know how to articulate it. But then if we give them a substance use screening or a PTSD screen or moral injury screening, there were, I actually had veterans say, This is the first time I've seen on paper what somebody is saying is wrong with me. The sun just shined down on me. I think it can be beneficial not just for the clinician to say, are we making progress? But it's an awareness tool for a lot of veterans.
1: That is absolutely it. Um, Someone may not have words for what's going on in their body or their mind. And they say, I feel upset and I'm feeling upset or they're noticing the behavioral response to what they're feeling. So they're like, I'm yelling, I'm slamming doors. And it's like, what's happening before, before that? And putting words to the things that are going on inside someone. And so that understanding symptoms and how they relate to diagnoses for an individual person is important because it helps us to get more specific in helping someone and we can help someone to feel better much faster if we understand pretty specifically what's going on.
0: I think it's also really valuable as you're training these clinicians, not just to provide these measurements, um, but also say to how to apply them to the military and veteran population, because especially post 9 11 veterans coming back from deployments, we've been tested nine ways to Sunday. Like I know what questions, when I came back from a deployment, how to answer the questions to be able to walk out the door in one area or carry a purple folder and and add another four hours to my day. And so I think there is a military culture component to, again, a very assessment savvy group of individuals, especially post 9-11 veterans.
1: I have given those assessments and people just ripping through them saying zero for everything behind the curtain in a gymnasium, (laughs) which is not a great way to do any sort of mental health assessment. And I think that that's some of the nuance that we noticed and why, why we have a training kit for something so simple as hand someone a checklist and they check the boxes. Helping people to understand how it can give you more information and how can you help someone who maybe is answering one way or another um, because of all of those reasons and experiences, how do we help them to really use it to get the best information uh, so we know how to proceed in care? And what do we do if someone, if you're seeing the same score week after week and they're not getting better? How do you have that conversation um, and use that information? One of the things we talk about in our training is there's a, an abundance of research that clinicians are really bad at knowing when people are getting worse and when people are getting better. So we, week to week, The information, whether it's whether that's a clinician problem and we're just not that aware or whether it's the way that we ask questions that gives us just not the right information that we need. We're not as good at doing this as we might think that we are. So it's helpful to just ask questions in a different way and get the best information possible.
0: I appreciate that in I think, thankfully, AI has not gotten to the point to take over because this is a very human thing. And this is a human being who wants the best for their clients. And so they may hope that they may not be getting worse or or things like that. Or they're so engaged with their client that their client's getting better and they really don't need to be in therapy anymore. But yet they still keep coming back every week because they're so closely engaged. And so I agree. There is that that ability, like you said, to take some of the subjective nature and be very objective about it with these measurements.
1: Absolutely. Because we can feel bad in a lot of different ways. It can feel really physical and it's it helps someone to sort through that process. I talk about um, with measurement-based care, one of the examples I give is a friend of mine who said she had a baby and she said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm, I don't want to get up. I'm having such a hard time. It's It's the lack of sleep. And then she went to her doctor's appointment postpartum and did the postpartum depression checklist and said, oh, I'm so depressed, <laughs> which is different. You can't sleep your way out of depression. So that nuance and that understanding and, and this friend is a social worker. She has this information, but putting it in a different way kind of laying it out in an organized fashion can again, just create awareness for that individual as well as the provider.
0: And to maybe extend that example where a veteran, and obviously we know that PTSD is prevalent, traumatic brain injury is prevalent, again, very much in the post 9-11 generation, but that's not the entire piece of, of all of the pie. There's other things that may not be related to trauma. So if a veteran is being told and has been told for years that, oh, it's all about PTSD, but it may really be about their relationship issues. It may really be that a lot of the crises are as a result of disrupted relationship and insecure attachment, things like that. The veteran thinks it's one thing, but until you actually start conducting an assessment, let's answer these questions that really it's eye-opening. A clinician may be addressing the wrong issue yeah. with the right client if they don't do the measurements correctly.
1: I think that's exactly right. That Or there might be something that's fueling. The mental health issues don't They can be playing off of each other. And if you're not getting at the root, if you're doing anger management with someone who has PTSD, the anger isn't going to resolve itself if you have a big flaming ball of PTSD underneath that. So I think that's exactly right. If you understand all of the pieces, then you can understand their interaction and then you can get at the root a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing. Obviously, uh, I am a fan of Cohen uh, and the work that you're doing, but also really encouraged to see this. Like you said, it's not just an internal Cohen Veterans Network toolkit. This is something that, because there are providers outside of Cohen Veterans Network, you mentioned that, yes, you're in these locations and you do have an expanded footprint, but if, if every veteran who could benefit from mental health care showed up tomorrow to a clinic, no clinic would be able to have the capacity. So this idea of a toolkit that is not behind a paywall and is broadly available, I think is really, really beneficial. So if people wanted to find out more about maybe how to access the toolkit or even about Cohen Veterans Network in general, how can they do that?
1: So CohenVeteransNetwork.org is where you're going to find your basic information. You can locate a local clinic from there and get all of the information about what we do. org slash MBC is where the measurement-based care toolkit lives. And everything that we have is on that website, including all of the resources that I mentioned. But um, we encourage people to go there and poke around whether you're looking to implement measurement-based care for an organization, for a clinic, or if you're a clinician and you want to know how to do this better in your practice.
0: I think that's amazing. I appreciate that. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Once again, we'd like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I'm glad to have been able to feature Dr. Reynolds' work on the show, as well as the Cohen Veterans Network. Again, if you're not familiar with them, I'm a little surprised, but I'm also glad to be able to introduce you to them if so. We often talk about the unique mental health needs of service members, veterans, and their families, and all who work with the military-affiliated population recognize that we have our own culture. We also know of military and veteran-specific mental health treatment programs that are affiliated with hospitals and universities, for example. We featured some on the show before. These are time-limited programs that are specifically designed to meet both the unique mental health needs and cultural needs Of the military and veteran population, but they're also rather intense and intended for those who have a need for a higher level of care. Many may not know that mental health treatment offerings lie on a continuum, from routine outpatient treatment to intense outpatient treatment, partial hospitalized treatment, and inpatient treatment. Many of the veteran-specific programs that we have featured on the show are either partially hospitalized treatment, meaning the service member or veteran attends a program for a significant portion of a day for a week or more, or fully inpatient, where the Veteran stays at the facility and receives their treatment simultaneously. But what about those service members who still need support with something that's going on, but may not need the level of treatment that's provided at a military-specific program? That's where military-centric outpatient treatment clinics come in, like the Cohen Veteran Network clinics. Outpatient treatment is what people typically think of when they think of quote-unquote therapy, going to see a clinical mental health provider periodically over a sustained period of time. With outpatient treatment, the veteran may see their provider less frequently than a more intense program, once a week as opposed to daily, but also for a longer period, months instead of weeks. So I've always appreciated the Cohen Veterans Network for developing a model in which veterans in need are able to get support in an environment that is designed specifically for them. The other point that I'd like to bring up is the value in measurement-based care. Dr. Reno and I might have been speaking the language of clinicians on this episode, but we think it's helpful for anyone who is working to support service members, veterans, and their families to understand the importance of measurement-based care. Simply put, as can be seen in the toolkit linked in the show notes, measurement-based care can be defined as the practice of basing clinical care on client data collected during treatment. In other words, using the results of evidence-based assessment tools to meet the needs of the client. Identifying and treating mental health conditions can be challenging, and that's not just me as the mental health professional trying to engage in professional protectionism. We are quite often trying to interpret symptoms or expressions of a condition rather than having a definitive technological diagnostic tool. As of the recording of this episode, there is no X-ray or CT scan that can determine if someone is depressed or experiencing post-traumatic stress. Instead, the field has developed measurement tools to help a mental health professional to interpret the symptoms and expressions of a condition, make an appropriate diagnosis, and provide the appropriate treatment. And when I mean measurement tools, I mean questionnaires, series of questions that provides both the client and the clinician an understanding of what's happening. These could be measurements for substance use, post-traumatic stress, depression and anxiety, even conditions like moral injury and social connectedness. You've, You've likely heard the expression, if the only tool you have, then everything looks like a nail. But the opposite is also true. If you think everything is a nail, then the only tool you're going to use is a hammer, even though you have a toolbox filled with a bunch of specialized tools for different situations. That's where measurement-based care comes in, to help a clinician determine what the client is experiencing and to use the right treatment for the situation. So if you're in a situation which you're supporting or working with mental health professionals, share the link to the episode with them and share the measurement-based toolkit with them as well. I'm sure they would appreciate it. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Stephanie. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share a PsychArmor course related to mental health barriers to treatment. In this course, you'll learn how differences in military culture affect mental health and explains how to help military veteran clients overcome barriers to seeking treatment. You can find a link to the course in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the PsychArmor website, psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care. And it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot, Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, vice president of strategic communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator, Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.